Thank you, Bill. And indeed, Mother, happy Mother's Day to all. May the Lord's grace and kindness and strength be with each of you. And would you please turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1 as we continue in our study that we have just begun entitled Origins, as is so beautifully displayed behind me here today. Um, More about that in a few moments, but um, let's begin our reading in verse 1, and as we did last week, I'm going to read all the way down through chapter 2 at verse 3 that the truth and power of God's Word would wash over us again here today. Genesis 1 and verse 1, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse, and it was so. And God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening, and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas, and God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation plants, yielding seed and fruit trees, bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth, and it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights. The greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. 
So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things, and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and the livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. And fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living creature, thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant-yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. This is the word of God. And all the people of God say, Amen. Amen. Today's message is part one of a couple of messages on the architect of creation. In the old Westminster Catechism, one of the first questions is this, Who is God? Who is God? And one of the finest answers that has ever been penned to that question comes next. God is a spirit. Infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in His being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. 
God is a spirit. He has no body like we do. He is pure spirit. He is infinite, having no limits. He is eternal, having no beginning or end. He is unchangeable. All that He has ever been, He still is now and ever will be. He is infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in His being. He is infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in His wisdom. He is infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in His power, in His holiness, in His justice, in His goodness, and in His truth. Now the question is, how do we know all of that? And I'm sure that many of us impulsively and instinctively say, well, we know it from the Bible, but I would suggest to you this morning that we know it first of all, not through what He has said in the Bible, but through what He has made in creation. As we proceed into our series called Origins, we come today to a place where we begin to see what the origin and creation of all things reveals to us, what it says to us about God. Remembering passages like Psalm 19.1, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Or Isaiah 6 and verse 3, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. Remembering such texts as this, we want to see that glory. We don't want to be like the people described as we saw last week in Romans chapter 1. Those who are suppressing the truth that can be known about God, that is known about God through the things that He has made. The world in which we live, the people around us by and large, are people who are doing to the truth of God what little children do to an inflated beach ball in a swimming pool in the summertime. Or maybe what adults do with a beach ball in a swimming pool in the summertime. What do we do? Sometimes we try to hold the ball under water. We suppress it. We hold it down. But what happens? Inevitably, at some point, it pops up. And then we jump on it again. And we hold it down. It pops up. We jump on it and hold it down. That is what people who deny the existence and glory of God are doing every day of their lives. They are suppressing the truth that is known about God. God has declared who He is in all of His glory, but they're holding it down. It pops up. They hold it down. It pops up. They hold it down. We want to be known numbered among those who do not suppress the truth. We want to see that God has shown to us what Romans says is plain to us. His invisible attributes, His eternal power, and His divine nature. What this means, friends, is that you could... I don't recommend this, but you could put your Bible on the shelf for the next six months uh, and God would still be speaking to you every day. And you can learn the glory and the attributes and the character of God 
through it. Think about it like this. When there is a piece of art, whatever it might be, we learn about the artist through the art. So behind me is a beautiful backdrop. From what you see here, beautifully put together by Christine Esternell and Tammy Alfieri and a whole team of creative people who deserve our applause for what they have done. Um, you, you look at it and, and there are some things you can know because of what you see. First of all, you can know that there is a maker, designer, creator who put it there. Uh, if you recall, it wasn't there a few weeks ago. It now is. Somebody did that. It didn't happen on its own. Now, what do you learn about the maker, designer, creator of this backdrop? Well, there are many things you can learn. Apparently, they like clouds. Clouds that are crowning mountains. They clearly have an appreciation for wonder and awe. They are designers. They like symmetry. Things are balanced. Things are relatively equal on both sides. They, therefore, are people of order and design and complexity. Uh, if you knew the background, you would know that they know how to work with different resources. Um, the cloth banner comes from a Sovereign Grace Conference last fall that we begged for and got and was now pieced together behind us. They know color scheme. They know how to contrast and enhance beauty. They know something about technology. They know how to communicate. They even know how to spell. Um, even architect, which isn't easy to spell. So they have not just basic spelling capability, they have skilled spelling capability. You learn all of that just from looking at it. We get to know artists through what they have made. We get to know God through what He has made. We learn about the existence and attributes of God through all that He has made. And so, we should study what He has made to, to learn who He is and how to honor and enjoy Him more in our lives. That's, that's one of the themes of this message and the next couple. We learn about the existence and attributes of God through all that He has made. And so we should study what He has made to learn who He is and how to honor and enjoy Him more. 
It's not just study Him so that we can know more about Him in the abstract. It's study Him through what He has made so that we can honor and enjoy Him more and delight in our God. I love the words of Job 38 and verse 4 where God says to Job, listen to this, Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Who determined its measurements or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? For, or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God, the angels, shouted for joy? Picture this. What is going on? Way back in the moment of creation. When God stretched out the heavens and the earth and laid the cornerstone of all that is in that explosion of creative power, the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. The scene in heaven must have been extraordinary. God declared it all into existence. And the angels were watching. And the morning stars were singing. And they all just shouted for joy. It's as if God said, okay, the moment has come. I'm going to create it all. Watch this. Watch this. And as they watched, they couldn't contain their joy. They couldn't contain their wonder. Friends, the point of all things that God has made and God has said is not merely knowledge in our heads. The point of it all is that we honor and enjoy Him and delight in Him and worship Him all the more because of who He is. And oh, if we as your pastors have any desire moving through this series, it is that. We have no interest in Mere academic study. We long to worship. And long to invite you into that worship as we study who God is through what He has made. And so, in my remaining time, let me quickly move through several of the attributes of God, the characteristics of God, the qualities and truths about God that are revealed in creation. Number one, God is eternal. Verse 1 of chapter 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. We know, even scientists acknowledge this, the cosmos had a beginning. That means that someone had to be there at the beginning. It means that somebody had to predate the beginning. It means that somebody had to be the prequel for human history. I love the way Isaiah 57 puts it. God inhabits eternity. Psalm 90 expresses it. Before the mountains were brought forth... Or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. God is eternal. 
We learn secondly, God is independent or self-existent. In the beginning, when God brought into existence all that is, He was already there, which means that He has to have existence in Himself. He simply exists. He has the, the power of being, the, the, the power of existence in Himself. He doesn't need anything. You and I need every second of our lives. I need divine assistance to finish the sentence that I just began. God needs nothing. He has always been the I am. Not the one who was so much as the one who is. The one who always is. Who has never not been. Everything finite, anything and whatever that comes into existence has a cause. But there is one who never came into existence. And so he is without cause. He just is. Third, we learn from this text that God is relational or personal. Specifically, he is relational and personal as a father. As a father. We see this first of all in what Genesis and creation show us about God's relationship to us. If God has brought us into being, then that means that in a creating sense, He is Father to all that is. In creation, He relates to us as the Father that He is. He made us. He brought us forth from the ground as His created sons and God, sons and daughters of God. Acts 17, we are His offspring. There, there are two senses in which God is Father. He is Father by creation, and in that sense, He is the Father to everyone, and He is Father by adoption, in that through Christ Jesus, He adopts sons and daughters into His family circle, if you will. He is Father in that He has made us. He is Father in that He has adopted us into His family. He is our Father Creator. But the text actually hints at something that goes even further back than that. Look at verse 26. Look at verse 26. Where God says, let us make man in our image. Just notice a bit of a, a strange set of terms there. God said, God singular said, let us make man in our image image. One God speaking says, and one Creator says, let us 
make man in our image. Some people have suggested that he's talking to the angels here, but there's no hint anywhere in Scripture that the angels are made in the image of God. There's something distinct about humans that is actually higher than the angels. No, God is talking, if you will, talking to Himself. And he's talking to himself within what we find out later in Scripture is his existence as in three persons in one essence. He is one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So that when God says, let us make man in our image, this is one of the first hints in the whole Bible that God is singular and in a sense plural at the same time. He is one. And he is three. Three in person. One in essence. Which means that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit have always existed. That they have always existed in divine love and affection in life Enjoy. Do you know what that means? It means that God is not so much like a father, He is Father. To speak of the fatherhood of God is, is not to use a simile or a metaphor, it is to say that there has never been a time when God has been alone and not a father. Which means, my friends, that before He was Creator, He was Father. When you think of God, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Is it Creator, Lawgiver, Judge, King, Sovereign? You know what should come to mind? First thing you think about when you think of God? Father. Father. He is the everlasting Father. He has always been a Father. Before He created anything, He was a Father. What does that mean? That at the heart of our relationship with God is this knowledge that we have a heavenly Father, a perfect Father. Um, Someone who has made everything, and ordered everything, and planned everything as a father. Not primarily as a creator, lawgiver, judge, but as a father. I don't know about you, but that affects me to the deepest part of my being. That my God is Father. Now I know that at hearing that some might grieve or be uncomfortable because your only experience of a father has been negative and has been harsh and has been difficult. But please do not judge the fatherhood of God on the basis of your human father. God, our father, is a perfect father. He's a father who loves perfectly and is perfectly patient and perfectly wise and perfectly good, who never fails. 
He has brought everything forth by the word of His power. He is our Father. You have a Father. You may think, oh, I don't have a Father. I don't have... But there is a perfect Father that invites you into His love and into His care. God is relational, personal as a Father. And then quickly, God is omnipotent. Omnipotent. What does that mean? Omni means what? Anybody? All. Omnipotent. Potent means what? Powerful. Strong. He is omnipotent. He is all Powerful. The universe is a display of the omnipotence of God. He brought it all forth by a word of power. He created the heavens and the earth. He didn't just make things or form things or fashion things. He created things. There's a difference. There's a difference between creating something and making something. I can make this sermon, but I can't create it. Because everything that I'm using in this sermon was created by somebody else. Words and thoughts and minds and tongue and all the rest. Somebody else created me so that I could make the sermon. You can make a meal, but you can't create a meal. Because all the stuff that goes into that meal was created by someone else. God creates. We make and we remake, but God alone creates. He brings things that were not into existence. And only omnipotence can do that. Romans 1 His eternal power is clearly seen in the things that He has made. And so put these last two thoughts together. He is relational as Father and He is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. I have often said through the years, if you give me a God who is for me, Father, and who has all power, omnipotent, I can face anything. Give me a God who is for me, Father. Give me a God who is almighty, for whom nothing is impossible. And I can face anything in life. With God, all things are possible. If God is for us. Who can be against us? Creation shows us another attribute of God. He is omnisciently wise. Combining two attributes actually, knowledge and wisdom, God is omniscient. He is all-knowing and He is all-wise. He needs to have all-knowledge to know everything needed to create the cosmos and he needs to have all wisdom in order to put all that knowledge to perfect use in a perfect plan for the creating 
the cosmos. And every single hint of design and complexity that we ever see in our existence on this planet is evidence for and proof of a God of infinite knowledge and wisdom. There are so many things that we could look to. I think I've talked with you before about apple seeds, right? Any of you remember that? Do you ever think about an apple seed? I don't have one with me today, but if I did, it would be about that big. Okay, you plant that seed in the ground and just wait. What happens? It grows. And a trunk forms and branches form and leaves form and then blossoms happen and then apples form. And then inside those apples are more seeds which you can plant and water and watch them grow and all the preceding steps happen again and then you could plant more seeds and more seeds. And when you think about it, Every apple tree on the planet that has ever been in existence came from the original tree or trees. I don't know how many apple trees God put in the Garden of Eden, but every apple you've ever eaten is the great, 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 great grandson or daughter of the first apple trees. All of those apple trees are packed into that little seed, if you will. Pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. The seed is way bigger on the inside than it is on the outside, as C.S. Lewis would have put it. What kind of God is this? What kind of mind does it take to create that? To design that? Say, so, okay, I want to make... Ten apple trees, and they're going to keep the earth fed with apples for the next however many thousands or eons of time. All out of the original. It's amazing. Every whisper of design, of plan. You know, people in our world today tend to think that if you can explain something, that's proof that you don't need God for that something. I would argue, no, the more things are explainable and predictable, the more argument for the existence of God there is. Because where does that predictability, where does that explanation, each explanation suggests a designer, suggests a design, suggests a God who made it all. Ah, we have such a God. All this is revealed in Genesis chapter one. And finally, so much more could be said. God is kind. God is kind. He made plants for food and animals for us. We see in verse 27, and God blessed Adam and Eve. A blessing is a bestowal, a pronouncement of happiness upon others. God is kind. God has made this world in such a way, He has made us in such a way that we experience 
pleasure and joy, kindness. How many of you have smiled at some point already today? Some of you may need some help. (laughs) The world around you is full of the kindnesses of God. The sun that shines, the rain that falls, the wind that blows, the food that tastes so good, the music that fills your heart with soaring joy, the embrace of a spouse, the hug of a friend, the taste of steak and potatoes swimming in butter. (laughs) It's all the kindness of God. God didn't have to make it this way. And I know our lives are full of sadness. Our lives are full of grief. But every day, there are kindnesses and mercies that shine forth through God's creation. May God give us eyes to see who He is and what He has done and what He has made. Oh, what a good God we have. All this can be learned from Genesis chapter 1 and by lifting our eyes and seeing all that He has made. Can I encourage you? Can I encourage you um, to walk out of this place not with your eyes cast downward, but your eyes lifted? I remember uh, a while back now, I remember driving um, on Lansdowne Avenue, driving um, from Havertown toward Lansdowne. And I was driving and my head was on the road and I was noticing all the motion of cars. And, and then I realized that if I just lifted my eyes just ever so slightly, my vision would have been above all of that to see a glorious sunset. Just a matter of a slight angle upward revealed to me the glory of God. Took out of my vision the grime and the the mess of, of our concrete world. Let's walk out of here with our eyes upward. Let's see. Let's see who God is through the things that have been made. And as we celebrate moms today, let us, whether it's our biological mom, our adoptive mom, our mother figure, Let us be grateful for the kindness of God in making moms. And may it cause you to smile as you consider how good God is. And let us remember that this same God who made all these things offered his son for us on the cross to clean up our mess, to atone for our sins, that we might enjoy Him as our Father forever and ever. If you've never known the Father, 
Um, we invite you to get to know him through his word, through his world, and through his son. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful. Jesus taught us to begin our prayers saying, Our Father who is in heaven, you are our Father, the one who is in heaven. We praise you, we hallow your name, we reverence you, and we love you. Thank you for making all things. Thank you for making us. May it be, O Lord, our God and Father, that we will honor and enjoy you forever and ever. Through Jesus, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Amen. As you leave here today, if you are a mother or a mother figure in somebody's life, there are some flowers waiting for you. Um, and I believe there's enough for you to take two, those of you who are moms, uh, take two stems uh, and enjoy them as a small, small gift and uh, expression of our love and our affection for you. As we close, will you stand with me again as we did last week? I want us to conclude our worship by singing the doxology together, praising God from whom all blessings flow. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above, ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. God be with you. To him be praise.
You suffer. Blessed.